0: Good evening and welcome to Taiwan This Week as we bring you special coverage of President Taiwan's inauguration. I'm Keith Mancone of ICRT News. This week, dedicating the whole program to today's events the speech, the pageantry, the reactions, both here and internationally. So, we've got a lot to get through today, uh, but we've got some very qualified folks to help us get through it. Uh, First up, uh, as always, I'm joined by Gavin Phipps, also of ICRT News. Thanks, Gavin, for being here. Good evening. Also joining us, we've got uh, three, count of three guests today to round out the coverage. Uh, First up, we've got frequent ICRT contributor Ross Feingold of D.C. International Advisory. Good evening. Also with us, uh, we've got Michael Tim, who is a Taiwan defense specialist and research fellow at the Prague-based Think Tank Association for International Affairs. Good evening. And rounding out the group today, we've got Gwen Wong, who is a political scientist at the University of Warwick. Good evening. All right. So uh, very quickly, before we even get into the contents of Tsai Ing-wen's speech today, and of course, that's really the most important thing that happened today is her inauguration speech, which kind of set out her vision for her presidency, her vision for uh, economic policy, cross-strait policy, uh, other issues as well. She touched on a lot of stuff. Uh, Before we even get to that, Gavin, uh, just tell us a little bit about today's uh, events. It all started at about 9 a.m.?
1: It all started at nine a.m. this morning when Tsai Ing-wen, who was of course now president, and Dr. Chen Jen-ren arrived at the presidential building, and they went into one of the rooms there. The room, I think, I believe is the Sun Yat-sen room, I believe, where they were sworn in as the 14th president and vice president of the Republic of China. An interesting thing is apparently reports say that Tsai actually sang the whole national anthem during the. Swearing in ceremony. Of course, she got into hot water quite recently when she sort of stopped singing the national anthem at parts she didn't particularly like.
0: Right, because that national anthem is, of course, very closely associated with uh, the KMT, the opposing party. Uh, So she did the whole thing, I guess, a nod to uh, cross-party unity.
1: That or she felt it had to, because, you know, the job as, a president. Of, as a president, you know, you job s- calls for it. an example, really, shouldn't you? You know, so they say
0: in the job description to some extent. All right. Well, uh, so that was the main event today. Uh, of course, uh, there's also banquets throughout the day, other gatherings. Uh, but we're really going to be focusing this program on the speech itself. We're just going to be kind of tracking through all the main points of the speech and seeing what's there. You know, how much should we be reading into all uh, of these comments that she made? Uh, And going in order, probably the first major topic she hit upon was economics. Quoting directly here, she said, Most importantly, and I must stress, uh, our young people still suffer from low wages. Their lives are stuck, uh, and they feel helpless and confused about the future. So, of course they 're referring to taiwan 's uh, stagnant wages, which I uh, have been holding steady for m- more than a decade now. Uh, Gavin, what else did she have to say about the economy?
1: Well, she basically she laid out her tr- she went through several stages she planned to transform the economic structures to build a better country. She moved on to say that new administration believes the only way for Taiwan to overcome the current economic stagnation is to stimulate new momentum for growth. She, sign- she signalled the export and domestic demand there, saying that they will both serve as twin engines for growth, allowing business production to become closely integrated with the livelihoods of the public, while building close ties between foreign trade and the local economy. Now, she also went on to say that she plans to prioritise plans to promote five major Innovative industries with the goal of reshaping taiwan 's global competitiveness that 's a big job
0: right, okay, so uh, Ross, during the campaign and uh, you know prior to her uh, winning the election, you, you, you were fairly critical of uh, tying wen 's proposal saying that they were all a little bit too vague she hasn 't really fleshed them out uh, much. Uh, has she gone anywhere to uh, address that criticism uh, in the speech
2: no uh, and it 's interesting that you mentioned the campaign and and Gavin just mentioned the, the very comprehensively the things that she referred to, but the the disappointment in, in her inaugural address that I think we'll, we will be seeing in the public and the media reaction in the coming hours is that it was still vague and lacked specificity on the many important issues that she identified, and specifically with regard to these economic stimulus types of issues. Uh, she really did not refer to specific programs. So she identified the issues, but she did not identify the solutions.
1: She did only have 30 minutes, Ross. I well, mean- <laughs> well
2: it, 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 fair enough. Maybe 30 minutes is not enough time to refer to all the problems that Taiwan faces economically. But, But be that as it may, she could have Mentioned less issues and been been more specific on the solutions for the issues that she did mention. Unfortunately, the, the speech, as during her campaign, did lack specificity. And the difference is obviously she is now the president, and the public does expect specificity, and they do expect execution of of ideas.
0: All right, and uh, moving through the speech away from economics now uh, to the next top next topic that I think all of us agree uh, bears a little bit of reflection. Uh, That being Tsai Ing-wen's words about truth and reconciliation. Of course, that's been one of the major uh, promises that she's given that she would carry out during her administration, confronting some of those historical wrongs uh, from Taiwan's past.
3: Uh,
0: Here's what she had to say about it during her speech. Quote, Uh, For the new democratic system to move forward, we must first find a way to face the past together. Uh, I will establish a truth and reconciliation commission inside the presidential office to address the historical past in the most sincere and cautious manner. Uh, So there, I mean, she's talking about a a real institutional proposal, something that she's going to bring into being uh, some kind of commission that may investigate, may even uh, lead to prosecutions of folks that are found to have contributed to those uh, historical wrongs during uh, Taiwan's history. Uh, So, Michael, I mean, would you say that uh, here we have uh, a little bit more uh, substance than at other points in uh, the speech?
4: To an extent. I would I would probably disagree with you that the uh, the conclusions of the commission will be used for prosecution or a- anything like that. That that would be that would make the commission even more political than, than it will be perceived anyway. Uh I think what this will be is, is, is a is a fair look at the more recent history. Mm-hmm. Uh at the martial law period, at the two two eight massacre. And uh, just trying to find some consensus with with the people on both sides of the of the aisle. That being said, uh, I think it will it still will be perceived as a sort of anti-KMT thing on the KMT side. Right. Because after all, it addresses the, the wrongs of, of, uh, of wrongdoings of, of, of the period when the KMT was the only single uh, ruling party the, in Taiwan. Right. So, Gwen, uh, we've been
0: talking about here uh, largely, I think, this speech really just rehashed policy proposals that we've heard before. Uh, here specifically, did you hear anything new on the uh, truth and reconciliation?
5: Well, I'm pleased to hear that President Tsai promised to uh, present a report on the issue of transitional justice within three years. I think that's a solid promise, which has not been mentioned before. And I would like to remind the audience that during the presidential debate, um, Tsai had said that as an opposition party, the DPP might have an attitude regarded by so-called Waisen Ren, mainlanders in Taiwan, as unfriendly. And then she promised that she would have a government which hold a very, very accommodating attitude towards different groups of Taiwan, including those Washington community. So I believe that Taiwan is determined to deal with this issue really carefully, not to upset any specific group, but with the main focus of correcting wrongs happened in the past.
0: Mm. Uh, and and, and Ross, uh, how do you think that her comments on that subject are going to be received?
2: It, it really depends on the details. So the the DPPA controls the legislature by a large majority, so they generally have the power to pass whatever kind of legal framework for this commission that they feel that they is necessary, uh, so whether or not this will result in prosecutions remains to be seen. Uh, If we look at the models of other countries that that have done this, uh, it's something novel. So if we see what what other countries have done, it's something novel for Taiwan to have this kind of commission. For example, will the commission have the power to subpoena people, to require them – to testify? Will people have to take an oath and, and will there be a penalty for not testifying truthfully? Will they be given immunity from prosecution when they testify? Uh, these are all things that we don't know yet. Uh, uh, otherwise, but, but if the commission is not going to have that kind of authority, I, I think we have the risk of this just rehashing or being very similar to uh, numerous other commissions or reports or studies by government uh, ever since the martial law era ended because President Li Donghui and President Chen Shui-bian and, to a lesser extent, President Ma ying governments all had various kinds of commissions and investigations. Uh, academics at universities have looked into these issues as well, as have academics and scholars outside of Taiwan. So. Unless there's some some true authority and strength to this commission, it's probably not going to achieve much. Right. It should be pointed out, though, that
0: this will be the first time where such a commission or or, or such a program has been carried out uh, under non divided government, where you know the dpp and power of both major branches of government but uh, i think we're gonna have to leave that topic there and keep it moving on now uh to what i think a lot of international observers would consider the uh main event of the speech today that being her comments on cross-strait ties uh everybody waited with bated breath to see whether or not the term 92 consensus would make it into the speech and lo and behold it did not Instead, uh, what we heard was about a recognition of the fact of a
3: 1992 uh, meeting. In 1992, the two sides
0: In 1992, the two institutions representing each side across the strait through communication and negotiations arrived at various joint acknowledgments and understandings. Skip a little, skip a little. I respect this historical fact. Uh, Gavin, what else stood out to you during those uh, comments on cross-strait relations?
1: Well, the speech went on to say that her government will conduct cross-strait affairs in accordance with the Republic of China constitution, the act governing relations between the people of Taiwan area and the mainland area, and other relevant legislation. She went on to say that the two governing parties across the strait must set aside the baggage of history and engage in positive dialogue for the benefit of the people on both sides. Now, she also went on to say by existing political foundations she referred to a key number of elements the first element being is the fact that the 1992 talks between the two institutions representing each other across the strait those being the straits exchange foundation and china's association for relations across the taiwan straits were when there was joint acknowledgement of setting aside differences to seek common ground And as you said, she said that's basically historical fact. But she went on to say that the second element is the existing Republic of China constitutional order. The third element pertaining to the outcome over 20 years of negotiations and interactions across the strait. And the fourth element of her cross-strait policy relates to the democratic principle and prevalent will of the people of Taiwan.
0: So certainly there we hear that she's embracing a lot of the uh, institutional achievements, a lot of the cross-strait achievements of previous administrations uh, but without uh, acknowledging the word consensus, without using that word, uh, she's leaving out what I think is probably uh, most important to China—that being the one China principle. Uh, am I am I reading that right, Ross? Uh,
2: I, I, I think you are reading it correctly. So China would have liked some acknowledgement that there is only one China, whether she called it the 1992 consensus. Or she said there's one China but we disagree on what it means without saying 92 consensus but still using that terminology. Or some other acknowledgment that there there is just one country that is currently under divided government. She, she did not go that far. So of course China is going to be disappointed uh, or – potentially angry and we'll, we'll know in the coming days as as reaction from China's bo- both uh, government officials as well as their media, their proxies in, 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 in academia uh, begin to speak out. Uh, but but there will definitely be some disappointment from China.
1: There's been disappointment from China ever since Taiwan was democratically elected by the people.
2: Fair enough. Uh, but uh, th- this is still the main issue in the interactions between the two sides. It's, you know, the main issue is not economic or trade agreements or agreements on handling prisoners, et cetera, right? The, the, the basis for much of the progress uh, in, in cross-strait ties over the last eight years was finding some kind of accommodating wording that both sides were comfortable with both sides. It was not a unilateral imposition by China, right? So it was wording that President Ma's government was comfortable with. Obviously, President Tsai's government is not comfortable with that wording. She did not use it today. And we're going to have to see how China responds, but it's unlikely that they will respond positively.
1: But she did say 1992. She could have said the 90s.
2: (laughs) Well, uh, she left out many things, though, in, in her discussion about cross-strait ties. For example, she didn't talk about the controversial services agreement, the controversial uh, trade and goods agreement. She didn't talk about the cross-strait monitoring mechanism that has been parked in the legislative UN for a long time. She didn't really focus on whether the two sides will continue to engage in discussions using government, official government agencies. It's a fair point, right? She didn't say that I would like to meet him or Mm -hmm. I welcome a meeting. Um, so many things were were left out from the discussion. The relatively, frankly, relatively brief discussion on cross strait ties.
0: Right. Well, she did make it pretty clear that uh, she valued uh, a lot of the cross strait advancements that have been made, and it give the sense that you know that she did want to continue uh, uh, to build upon all of that work. Gwen, let's toss it over to you. I mean, do you think that that's uh, going to be possible? Of course, you know, Ross is saying that uh, some of the omissions are not going to be received well by China, but is it uh, the disruption of cross-strait relations going to be of such a degree that it's going to really... Put a damper on uh, some of the progress that Tsai Ing-wen is clearly hoping for?
5: I will reserve my judgment if China will continue to hold on to this one-China pol- policy or one-China principle wording and as uh, measures to further restrain Tsai Ing-wen's administration. Um Not to mention that such strategy will only further exhaust the Taiwanese community, society, civil society here. And I would like to raise a point because uh, from this speech, Tsai Ing-wen put the crossroad issue under the the section where she mentioned regional stability first. So I see a a really delicate way that the DPP administration begins to uh, recalibrate their narrative of the cross relations, They would like to elevate Taiwan's profile in the international community, especially in terms of the uh, stability in the region. And I think that's a really smart move because it's not only about one China policy which is fully implemented by the Taiwan government, but also if the two sides of the Taiwan Strait can together uh, pursue a common ground and then progress the cross relations from today. So um, I would like to see if China would get the message from Tsai um and maybe change their narrative, not dramatically, but slightly in a way that would be accepted by the talent people.
0: Mm. All right. So I think what we're hearing there from Gwen is uh, a little bit of hope for some amount of flexibility on uh, the Chinese side. Uh, Michael, what are, what are your expectations?
4: I don't think Chinese actually have a much choice than, than being a bit more flexible. Mm. Uh, of course, they will be disappointed, but I think uh, anyone, or if uh, policymakers and, and, and uh, policy advisors in Beijing have unrestricted access to Internet, which I assume they do, then they couldn't possibly expect that, that Tsai is going to mention One China or, or mm-hmm. 1992 consensus. I think that was pretty clear beforehand that's not going to happen.
0: I, I mean, and it would have been. We haven't really... Discussed much yet what you know the domestic expectations are, but I, just domestically that would have been untenable.
4: Yeah, she wouldn't only uh, go against uh, principles of her own party; mm-hmm. uh, she would go against a large majority of, of people in Taiwan. It's not it's not just uh, DPP, core DPP supporters that, mm-hmm. that would oppose this move. Now, China will voice the disappointment. I think that's pretty clear. But uh, let's not let's not uh, forget that uh, a lot of, of that disappointment is. Is carefully manufactured, so it's mm-hmm. not it's not outburst of disappointment that something unexpected happened. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's more or less a, a um, trying to pressure international community to 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 put Taiwan in, in a place where where, Be- where Beijing would like to see it. But uh, if China keep insisting on on one on the wording of why China. Uh, I don't think it will be moving anywhere. But uh, I don't think I also don't think that that China will be this time able to uh, convince international community that, that that this this Taiwan Taiwan's fall that we see a stalemate in cross relations. Mm. A lot
0: of observers uh, that I've been seeing recently have been speculating that from China's perspective, a failed Thai administration is actually preferable. So uh, would they particularly mind stalled cross Strait relations? Would I, I mean I don't necessarily think that China would see that as a negative
4: perhaps they wouldn't i um, and perhaps uh, perhaps uh, a lot of people on taiwan side wouldn't mind to see cross strait relations stalling for the next couple of years um, mm. it would be it could be perceived as an opportunity to to look somewhere else to move somewhere else
0: all right well of course this was uh, the most intently watched section of the speech uh, so i want to turn it back to the room we're going to go around one more time i want to hear your quick take Uh, Predictions for the first 100 days of Tsai's administration just on this cross-strait front, based upon what you heard today. Let's start off with Ross. Uh, What's your prediction for the first 100 days there?
2: Uh, She's going to be challenged to maintain dialogue with China because, uh, as we discussed, she did not use... The wording that China would have preferred. And it's unclear how we maintain dialogue in the absence of that. Uh, Gwen, what's your take?
5: I believe that the Taiwan administration would, would, would be trying really hard and um, to work with the parliament to pass the cross-strait agreement scrutiny bill. And because that's a really important basis for her to, to get the legitimacy of her dealing with the cross-strait relations uh, agreement and any introduction in the future.
4: And Michael, closing thoughts? Tsai is, is going to want to make to maintain the dialogue, so, so, dialogue, so it's not that much of a uh, challenge for her. I think the content of the dialogue is going to be challenging. Uh, but it, it takes two to tango, and so if Tsai uh, is to make concessions, China will have to make one as well.
0: And uh, I can tell that there is a thought forming on the lips of Gavin Phipp, so we can't uh, leave him out.
1: Yeah, so I think the ball is now in Beijing's court on this issue. I think it's not going to be up to the Thai administration, to the Thai administration, to do anything. I think Beijing will now have to say something. So she's it's basically
0: n- given. This is the formulation we'll be operating under. And there well,
1: it is now you respond to it. Yeah. Basically.
0: All right. Well, uh, we thought that we were going to be getting some answers today, but uh, I guess we're just more sharply forming our questions more than ever. All right, well, that was our look at the content of the speech. Uh, Of course, uh, she covered a lot of other topics uh, that we kind of brushed on very, very quickly there. Uh, But the speech was not the only thing that happened today. Uh, A number of other uh, big news events. Uh, In just a second, we're going to be covering the U.S. reaction to the speech, which came very quickly. I don't think we even left the newsroom at noon before uh, we were getting that press release from AIT. Uh, But before we get to that... Uh, before the speech even happened today, uh, there was a little bit of controversy uh, from social groups uh, that were a little bit miffed that Tsai Ing-wen included certain slogans uh, in some of the day's uh, inaugural proceedings. Uh, Gavin, what exactly were they mad about there?
1: This this is part of the parade. They had a parade today outside the presidential building, aeroplanes and students and people dancing around the streets, and part of this parade was meant to show... The the greatness, the size, the great development of social groups here in Taiwan. Well, they had these people that I presume weren't in social groups walking around as part of the parade originally carrying placards saying, leave our house alone, don't demolish this building, etc., etc."
0: Those are references to past protests over the last several years that have taken place, not necessarily supported by the DPP.
1: No, which is what irked the um, social groups and said, hang on a minute, you are basically hijacking our causes for political purposes and you are turning what we believe in into a circus for your own political gain.
0: Right, and I found this extremely interesting because this has been a big question going into the Thai administration is you know how broad is that support she was really brought in on a wave of anti KMT fervor does that translate into uh broad support throughout society for the tsai administration or you know as we see with the new power party more radical elements in the pan green group are there going to be folks that say uh you know the dpp has been letting us down too we're not really sure about the tsai administration uh, so uh, Gwen, you know, a lot of these social movements are, are things that you follow quite closely. What do you take away from seeing uh, that controversy on the day of her inauguration?
5: I believe that it's a way for the BPP to to show the international society that this government is fully aware of the strong and emerging power and voice from the civil society. They would not take it for granted. They would not take it slightly. Although the handling could be quite controversial, I also agree with that because um, it's not a fun thing to display those slogans um, by the civil groups when the public... Express such strong emotion towards a a significant policy. So I think that part is controversial. But then on the other side, I think it just shows that they really, really care about the public opinion and they are going to be the most capable government which would communicate with the public when it comes to major policies in the future.
0: Right. Yeah. We should mention, of course, that uh, Thai, her administration and organizers were very quick. You know, once that criticism surfaced, Uh, to take those signs out. So some could see that uh, as as a sign of responsiveness uh, more than anything else and that she will be uh, quick to respond to those sorts of criticisms. Uh, Of course, some of those uh, protests regarded eminent domain and protests against eminent domain. uh, And the protesters were making the point that You know, when they went and protested against all this stuff, uh, DPP lawmakers were not making meaningful moves to uh, support their protests. So, you know, they can't really claim to uh, be at the forefront of the movements that they care about. Uh, And furthermore, they're going to really be waiting to see how the DPP actually governs now that it has uh, the levers of power. So, I mean, Gwen, isn't the pressure... Are uh, really going to be on the Thai administration to demonstrate that uh, it can govern?
5: Definitely. I think the Taiwan government is going to be under great um, pressure and also spotlight um, from the civil society. Given that uh, recently a lot of people criticized the way they handle the, the cross strait agreement scrutiny bill, it's not exactly what I agree with before. Like MPP Chair Huang Guochang Chang once said that the D V should have. Uh, held more public hearings before before they officially sending submitting their draft bill to the parliament that would be an important issue for us to continue paying our attention in the future to see if the BPP, dpp's policy would satisfy the public's demand and also would the D, uh, would the new power party continue to take this uh, as an opportunity to grow their momentum and potentially in the future compete with the DPP.
2: Uh, These civil society groups also have to mature at some point. They cannot continually take to the streets and, and, and protest and expect government, whether it was the old government or the new government, to do what they want because not everything that they want is actually good policy. And that's part of what what uh, they need to understand, and the new government needs to confront. You can't just, from the civil society group perspective, you can't just assume that because we're left of center and the DPP is left of center, we're all going to do you know, what what we want. And, and President Sy and her leadership team her cabinet ministers they need to at some point say that certain things make for good policy and certain things don't make for good policy and we're not just going to do whatever you want because you go out in the street and protest
1: isn't there a, isn't there a saying about that something along those lines: you can't please all the people all the time uh yeah well i think that that's just good advice <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can't be
0: everything to everybody uh michael what's your take
4: um, well, social movements will, will protest. That's what social movements do. Uh, but let's let's have a look at the discourse uh, coming from the uh, pen blue side around the time the so, the sunflower movement happened and and various protests before then. They were arguing all. All those groups are just, you know, uh, organized and funded by DPP. And I think what are we going to see in next couple of years is that it was, of course, false accusation back then, and it is it is a false accusation now. And the uh, the social the social movements various social movements that appeared uh, in the last couple of years spontaneously. Will, spontaneously will challenge DPP as well. Now, no doubt, the KMT is a bit more evil for for majority of those groups from their perspective from their perspective but it doesn't mean that that uh, DPP is going to do it doesn't it doesn't mean that DPP uh, can rest easily and then expect that nothing is going to happen to them they, they will face challenges from social movements as mm, well
0: right so we will be uh, waiting for the fault lines to form uh, see how well time manages it as that happens Uh, But we are going to move now to our final topic for today, which I just teased a couple of minutes ago, that being the U.S. reaction. Uh, And uh, like I said, it was pretty quick, Gavin. What uh, What were we hearing from AIT? It
1: wasn't a great tome. In fact, it was two paragraphs. Well, Some paragraphs under pressure sentences. under pressure in fact like, I can read it all here we go it the was un- like
0: they tweeted their reaction
1: they did didn't they I could have read it by now in fact all that time we wasted Keith anyway here's, here's the US reaction the United States congratulates President Tsai Ing-wen on her inauguration as Taiwan's fourth democratically elected president we also congratulate the Taiwan people on the occasion of this peaceful transition of power which marks another milestone in the development of Taiwan's vibrant democracy it goes on to say that the United States commends President Ma ying for his success in strengthening U.S.-Taiwan relations over the past eight years, and we look forward to working with the new administration as well as with the people of Taiwan's political parties and civil society groups to further strengthen the ties between the people of the United States and Taiwan. Apparently, Ross, you had a bit of an issue with this.
2: Uh, well, I, I think it's interesting that in the second paragraph, the uh, statement from AIT does praise, in a very very enthusiastic way, President Ma. Uh, and uh, the, obviously, AIT could have omitted any reference to President Ma, just as Tsai Ing wen omitted any reference to President Ma in her inauguration speech. Uh, so I think that it's significant that uh, they included this reminder that the U.S., and, and we know this to be a fact, right? The U.S. did appreciate. The uh, or, or was happy generally with President Ma's efforts to keep cross-strait ties non-confrontational over the last eight years. And if we could take one step back from this statement, I think we should also uh, keep in mind that the Unofficial U.S. delegation, the representatives of the American people that attended the inauguration today, as far as the personalities involved, was definitely a downgrade from past delegations that attended the inauguration of Taiwan's president. Mm.
0: All right, so let's broaden this conversation very quickly just to round things out. Uh, Looking at that uh, U.S. Taiwan relationship, because, you know, there's no secret that the U.S. was uh, not entirely. Uh, pleased with the Chen Shui-bian administration. I, I think a, a lot of U.S. officials are worried that Thai will be a repeat of uh, that sort of rock-the-boat era. They're worried that uh, it will signal a kind of a, a, a trend toward instability in cross-strait relations, and they just don't want to deal with that. So uh, what is uh, your take, Michael? W- will the U.S. be reassured by what they heard today?
4: First, I, I wouldn't read too much from that statement. It seems to me that's pretty standard diplomatic language. I think if we if we go and check uh, U.S. reactions to, to elections in in other countries, we will see an appreciation of of the democratic process and and good luck uh, wishes to a new president and and appreciation of the work of the past president. Uh, so uh, there's nothing really too much to read. Into it, Mm -hmm. Uh, United States obviously is not going to mention uh, uh, disagreements that they had with my administration. uh, It's a happy day. It's It's a a happy happy day day. for everyone. (laughs) And there were there also were towards the end of um, my Joe's term there were uh, contentious points between United States and. And Taiwan, and, and, mm. and very often it related to South China Sea, where, where um, Washington felt that there's not really much uh, of a support for U.S. position uh, from Taiwan, and they were uh, through different channels uh, demanding or asking for uh, Taiwan's uh, clarification on uh, on its position toward uh, South China Sea disputes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Tsai's presidency, and it seemed to me from the reception that Tsai received uh, when she was in the United States, so far the expectations are positive. I think the United States understand that that, uh, there is no returning to to what uh, some uh, people perceived as a troublesome period uh, during... Administration. the Shabian's the, administration, uh, the environment also changed a lot. China presents much greater challenge to U.S. interest in the region, mm-hmm. uh, much more than, than uh, in the year 2000. Right. So we also have to bear in mind that the context of regional politics has uh, tra- transformed dramatically, I would say.
2: Well, my, Michael, I'm not sure how, you, how we could safely make that assumption that we won't return to the challenges that existed in cross-strait relations during the previous eight years, given that so many people, so many senior people in the new government also held senior roles and were policymakers and behind those policies in that government, including President Tsai herself, who was head of the Mainland Affairs Council for three years when relations with China were were really at a low point.
4: Well, it's really simple. It's 2016. It's not 2004. The the, the context, the the outside influences... uh, are different. What we well, so think? All, all these people suddenly and, have and, different and, views. And, and Tsai, Tsai is a different type of policymaker than, than uh, Chen Shui-bian was. I think that pretty much is clear. So it's, it's not just and it's not just about uh, uh, China and Taiwan anymore. There are other issues that disturbs that uh, relationship between U.S. and Ch- and China. So uh um Taiwan it would be very difficult to see Taiwan as the as the only one troublemaker because there are various other troubles in the region.
0: So Taiwan is no longer the linchpin?
4: Yes. Mm. Well not the only one. <laughs>
0: Alright, well, uh, we are coming up on the end of the show here for today, but uh, I would like to do one last thing, you know, in lieu of the usual bonus podcast story that we do at the end. uh, What I want to do is a little bit of a lightning round. I'm going to put one simple question to all of you. I'm looking for one quick, simple answer in reply. Uh, And as a lot of you guys noted, Tsai Ing-wen left Ma Ying-jeou out of her inauguration speech, not a mention of Of the Ma presidency. Uh, So let's include that in our show. Um, Here's the question I want to put to you guys. Just looking back on the eight years of the Ma presidency, what would you say was the defining moment? The moment that kind of uh, really just tells us what this presidency was all about? Uh, The moment that we're going to still be talking about uh, years from now uh, when us talking head types are, 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 are reflecting back on these years? Uh, ross uh, let 's start with you. What moment would you point to
2: I would say his reelection in two thousand and twelve because that was the high point of his, of his of his two terms and then, as we know, his second four years really was a continue, continued number of, of challenges that resulted in falling popularity, loss of power on the local level and subsequently in the presidential and legislative elections and what do you think that two thousand and twelve was an affirmation
0: of? What, what, what aspects of it was an affirmation of and how did Taiwan spoil on those things?
2: Well, uh, at the time it was an affirmation of, of his cross-strait policies and his economic policies and it was a rejection of what Tsai Ing-wen was offering. The, the person that was elected in, in January became president uh, today. Uh, so clearly the, the views of, of the electorate changed dramatically and also uh, we have to be very frank and say that ma and his team did a poor job of explaining why their policy choices were were the right ones
0: all right uh that is ross feingold's take gwen what's yours
5: i'm kind of torn between two moments the first one is back one in, linchpin one linchpin okay, then i will okay then i'll pick the earliest one back in to, uh, 2014 during the sunflower movement ma and joe uh, held this press conference, an international press conference, expressing his will will to communicate with the protesting students, and I think that's the defining point because it seems really obvious that he did not really respond to the direct demand from the students, which is a more transparent um, mechanism for crossway communications and. Formation of the agreement. And also he seemed really stubborn in the way of his vision of how he vision envisioned Taiwan's future, which is expanding Taiwan's ties with China economically. And as the only way to revive Taiwan's economic momentum.
0: So basically a, a lost opportunity to engage with those that were uh, disaffected with uh, his cross-strait policies.
5: Definitely. And then it just showed that as president, mind j- unfortunately, did not read the same line as his people.
0: Mm. All right. Maybe uh, going some of the way to explaining what's changed since 2012. Uh, Michael, what's your take?
4: Well, for me, the defining moment of the mass presidency was uh, his completely... Mishandled and perhaps misguided attack on Wang Jinping in in in, mm. uh, in the late summer 2013. Mm-hmm. Not only it stripped him from this any remaining support he could his government could have in the legislature, which demonstrated nicely during the Sunflower Movement when mm. Wang Jinping didn't challenge uh, as a as a president of the legislature, didn't challenge the protesters, uh, didn't order the police force to to to, to remove them i think the lesson and, and so that was not just uh, uh detrimental to administration's relations with with legislature it also divided part, divided the party, and it, it exposed the conflicts that are within the KMT. Mm. And, and, and this is something when you are chairman of the party and president of the country, it's something you are trying to, you know, <laughs> that's that's at home, and no one is supposed to see that. I think the lesson from this is that if you are attempting. A, Uh, political assassination of your intra-party opponent, at least do it properly and be sure it works out because this was was terribly, terribly mishandled.
0: Mm, Right. Your one mistake, Mr. President, is you didn't kill me. Okay, well, uh, Gavin is going up to the mic. Gavin told me that he didn't want to give uh, his take on this question, but it looks like he's had a change of heart.
1: All I have to say is a typhoon that battered central Taiwan and a photo opportunity in Singapore. Hmm... Maybe elaborate for some of our uh... Typhoon Morricot. He was Ma came under very, 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 very if I can't say too many veries on that sentence, but there's too many veries involved. He came under huge criticism for his handling of the typhoon and its aftermath and was accused of basically ignoring the central parts of southern Taiwan area where the typhoon hit, that being Nanto County, etc. South south there. And he was accused of ignoring it because he wanted the local governments who were run by the DPP at the time to take the flack for it. To, to this
0: sa- day, still a little bit of anger about that. Yeah, yeah, people
1: are very sore over that matter still. And of course, his trip to Singapore, which, of course, while he's jumped up and down and said it was the greatest thing since the invention of sliced bread, many others have said, well, you went to Singapore. What did you do? Did you go shopping? No. What, did you bring us anything back? No. Well, you go to Singapore, can you bring us back something next time?
0: Right. Well, we did get, as you said, a picture of a very long handshake.
1: It was a photo op, a nice photo opportunity, yes.
0: All right, well, uh, we're going to have to round out the entire show there. That is it for today. Please do join us again next time. time. when This Week broadcasts every Friday evening at 8.30 p.m. right here on ICRT FM 100. You can also find an extended version of the show online at the ICRT website on iTunes. I, and we've also started posting to the ICRT blog as well. Please do leave a comment while you're there. We'd love to hear what you're thinking. Signing off from the ICRT studio, I am Keith Menconi, joined by Gavin Phipps. Hey, good night. Ross Feingold as well. Good night. Gwen Wong. Good night. And Michael Tim. Good night, Tom. Thank you all for listening. See you again next time on Taiwan This
3: Week. What a 看到這個國家的改變